Let's get your notes out. Let's get right into real talk today. We want to talk to you about the whole gospel. Pastor Brad, kick us off. Man, we are just excited to be with you guys. And, and, and today we're going to talk about the gospel. And for those of you that are around me much, uh, man, it don't take long before, like, we're going to have a conversation about this. You know what I'm saying? So um, those of you that got to sit through our gospel class part one last week, man, you know, it just kind of stirs in my heart, this message. And so we want to jump straight into it today. Uh, go ahead and get your notes out. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. That's kind of our theme verse for um, the whole series. Uh, because when we're talking about real talk, we want to talk about what, uh, what is going to make us whole. So uh, may the God of peace himself make you entirely pure and devoted to God, right? And may your spirit and soul and body be kept strong and blameless until the day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. Amen. And how many guys know that, man, our spirit, God wants us to be whole. And one of the ways that God makes us whole, uh, and even especially what we're talking about today, uh, is the whole gospel. And, and, and I want to put a plug in here. Man, if there's any questions that you have, uh, me and Pastor were uh, kind of talking about it in the first service, um, that, man, we could, we could spend four weeks on just what we're going to talk to you guys about today. Like, so, but we're going to knock it out this week. But here's what we want to open up to you. If you have questions or you want more information, or maybe like, man, what did you mean about that? Or Pastor Brad or Pastor Dan, I, did this, I still have questions about this. You can go on any social media outlet, which Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram are the ones that we're using. Um, and you can use the hashtag RealTalkTC. Um, so you can post your question and then you can use that hashtag. Uh, and what we're going to do is throughout the week, Week, we're going to be able to record podcasts and videos to answer some of those things in a, a, a more direct way so that we're not taking as much time to answer individual questions up here because that could be a lot. Um, but we want, to, we want to use our social media outlet to try to answer some questions or, or try to move people along the way. So make sure you guys use that if you want to. You can go on there. You can ask some questions. We'd be glad to answer anything that we can. All right. But today we're talking about the whole gospel. Turn to your neighbor and say the whole gospel. And so we want to talk about that today. The first thing we want to identify, and we're going to move you along a four-step journey through the gospel and what it does in us, to us, through us. Um, and the first thing that the gospel does is it saves us in your notes. The first thing that the gospel does is it saves us. And so the gospel means the good news, and particularly the good news of Jesus Christ. And so in the good news of Jesus Christ, kind of what I want to do, because man, I remember, and we talked about this some last week in the gospel classes, uh, going back through, I remember sitting through many classes where people told me all the things that I shouldn't be doing. And people introduced me to all these ideologies about how I should change my behavior. But there wasn't as much people talking about just what Jesus has available to me as much as they were trying to change me before Jesus got a hold of me. You know what I mean? And so... Um, what we want to do today is help you understand the gospel and the whole gospel, the holistic idea and the concept of what Jesus is trying to do. So here's the idea behind the gospel. For those of you that have not heard this, you might have been in church for 20 years, but you've not heard the whole picture of the gospel. And that is that we as people are sinful people, right? Like we have sin in our hearts. I don't care how good you are on your best day, you're still not good enough to be saved based on your actions. And so what happened is Jesus died on the cross. And so we, we hear that often and people say, how are you saved? We gotta put your faith in Jesus Christ. But what does that mean? And the gospel introduces this amazing idea and this concept that Jesus came to this earth a perfect man. See, God wanted us with him. He wanted to restore us back to him. The problem was sin separated us from God. 
And I'm not just talking about the sin as in you got angry in traffic at that guy that decided he was gonna go during the yellow light instead of the green light, and then you got caught by two red lights, and you know what I mean, you said some choice words or something. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. And I'm also not talking about the, the thing that you took when you were 12 years old, or you stole this, or, or uh, your anger still gets the best of you. And we're not talking about necessarily just individual actions of sin, but literally you and I are sinful people. I can prove it to you. How many of you guys, when you're three years old, four years old, six years old, 12 years old, you stole something maybe from a store or something like that, and you'll recognize that no one had to teach you how to do it, right? You saw it, you wanted it, you took it. Why? Because sin is a part of us in our nature. When Adam fell in the garden, he separated us from God and sin became part of our nature. So when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just have to die because of your temper problem. He didn't just have to die because you stole that stick of bubble gum. He died because you as a person are sinful and full of wickedness outside of Jesus' character in your life. And so Jesus goes to the cross and he dies, but before that, God sends him to the earth. He lives a perfect life, no sin in his life. And then he goes to the cross and what happened is he, as the perfect sacrifice, having no sin, died in our place and paid the price that we could never pay to receive an eternity that we could never receive outside of Jesus. And so the gospel is the good news is that you don't have to work to earn your way into heaven. And so that's both incredibly encouraging and incredibly discouraging to many of us because that means that everything that you've been trying to accomplish on your own doesn't mean anything. The Bible says that it's a free gift. And so he, he makes this available to you. And, and so Jesus dies on the cross, he makes it available to you, this free gift. And so the truth is though, how do we receive the, the good news? How do we receive eternity in heaven? How do we receive salvation? How does the gospel save us? Well, it's very, very easy, by grace, through faith, and that's it. So we, we are saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ by putting our faith in that when he died on that cross, he died for my sin. Not just my actions, but me. And I desperately needed that. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified, how? By faith, not by actions, not by works, not by being good enough, not by earning it, not because you're awesome, not because you think you're on team varsity when you're really barely a freshman. Like, <laughs> you, you got this by faith in Jesus. We have peace with God. Why do we need peace with God? Well, you see, God had set aside wrath, judgment, hell. He set that aside for those that were far from him. What distances us from God? Sin. So he had wrath set aside for those that were in sin and not with him. And then what happened is when Jesus died on that cross, he bridged the gap over wrath and over judgment so that we can now have peace with God and not have to suffer the judgment of God. And how do we, how were we able to do that? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5, 1 says. And so when we're talking about the whole gospel, the thing that we want to understand is that the whole gospel saves us. How does it save us? By strictly putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Does that mean that you put your faith in Christ and then you get to do whatever you want? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it now makes you whole. 
And the problem is some of us have been trying to clean ourselves up before we came to Jesus. Well, I just need to get myself right. You know, I just need to, I got some things I gotta work on. I just need to get myself right. But I've never seen anyone clean a fish before they catch it. Right, so, so you gotta, you've gotta come to Jesus and let him clean you up. Because even if you were able to clean yourself out, hear this, hear this, even if you could be good enough, like even if you could do enough good works to save yourself, you would then in turn take pride in your works and become self-righteous, therefore becoming sinful all over again. We desperately need Jesus, folks, because the gospel saves us. Yeah, and we see that in our four-step journey that we take everyone through here at Transformation Church. It's foundation of everything that our church is built on. And that's the four promises in Exodus 6, 6, and 7 that Jesus made to the Jewish people and to the Christian church today. And, and there's simply this. Number one is salvation, that we know God. And then number two is freedom, that we find deliverance. Number three is that we discover our purpose, that, that we find our gifts and our talents in God. And number four, that we then go make a difference and we become part of something bigger than us. The first three deal with us individually. The fourth one deals with us corporately as the church. But with that, the reason I bring that up is that the Seder dinner or the Passover is the only time that Jesus did multiple cups at communion. Every other time there would be one cup that people would drink from. But at the, pass, at the Passover, the Seder, and still today, there is a separate cup for each promise. And Jesus did that intentionally because he wanted us to do a clear picture of separating each promise. And the problem with the Western church is we took something that was God designed in an Eastern culture and tried to fit it into a Western church and we commingled all four promises and it confuses us. And so Jesus said, I want you to see every promise individually. Salvation is a separate promise. And so when he would go over that promise that I'm gonna bring you out of Egypt, they then drank of the cup, one cup that represented salvation and once they understood, I'm saved through the grace of Jesus Christ, now we go to the second promise, which is what? Deliverance or finding freedom. And Jesus did that intentionally so that we would separate our salvation for our finding freedom. Because how many would acknowledge me today, after you got saved, there's still some stuff going on. Amen. There's still some deliver, some freedom taking place in your life. And if you commingle the two, you'll fit into that 87% of the church world today that never leaves freedom and enters into discovering their purpose because they never feel saved enough. Only 13% of the church world ever moves into fulfilling God's purpose in their life. They spend their entire Christian life trying to feel saved enough, good enough for God to wanna do something with them. And God wants you to know today that your salvation experience is totally separate from any other experience you have with God. That's if right. you've given your heart to God today, you're saved on your good day and your tough day. Because Jesus saves Amen. us through his Absolutely. grace. Amen. And I think Amen. that's... That's best identified, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's not in your notes, but if you wanna write it down, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. In other words, God's not gonna let you be able to save yourself because he's not gonna let you get glory for something that he should only be glorified in. And so Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 brings us to center on what Pastor was just talking about, that meant faith alone and grace through Jesus Christ saves us. So we're not having to work to be saved. We're being transformed because we are saved. Amen. That's good. And so we're not saved by works, James says. We're strictly saved by faith. But because of our faith, it produces works. 
Uh, and so we have to be instilled in that. And pastor's gonna take us on to the, the next step in this journey. Next step in the journey, and all these four points is a process, and part of that journey, number one, is salvation. How many knows that must be first? Amen. And then the second thing the gospel does is it sanctifies us. Now, again, that word has been distorted in the Western church world, all right, because we've gotta understand that in, when the Bible was given, how many understands over in the Middle East there's all kind of persecution against the church? Just, just this past week, Boko Haram sawed off the heads of over 20 confessing Christians because they would not denounce their faith in Christ. ISIS, everything we're seeing, that's not new. That's been taking place ever since the day the scriptures was ever pinned out. It's just new to us because America thinks everybody else is abnormal when in reality, America's been the abnormal one. The gospel's been working that way throughout the world for generations. We've been greatly blessed by God. Now we're seeing another side of the gospel and we're freaking out going, what, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? Same thing that they did then and they're doing today. And the Bible says to be sanctified means to be set apart and we stop right there in the Western interpretation of it, but it means to be set apart for a particular purpose or work and to make holy and sacred. When we say, how many heard the phrase growing up, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, that's not a bad phrase, but we, did, we weren't taught what it really meant. We thought it meant now that I'm saved, I'm set apart because I'm different than the rest of them. And that's not what sanctified means. It means that God has now saved me so that he can set me apart for a particular work and function and thing that he has that he wants to do in my life and through my life for the glory of his kingdom. And so when we begin to understand that, we begin to realize that save means that now God has something particular and special that he wants to do in my life. Romans 5, 2, as in your notes, says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That God is saying here that I'm saved now, cup one, promise one's been done, I'm saved. No matter what's going on, we're not talking about habitual lifestyle of sin, we're talking about we're still in that fleshly nature that has that sin nature that we wrestle with like Paul said, but he said now that you're saved, I'm setting you aside, I'm sanctifying you for a particular work and journey that I wanna take your life on, that you may not understand it all at all times, but all things are working out for the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose Amen. and glory. I'm about to take you on a journey, and now it's no longer about the why, because how many besides me on this journey has had some whys? Like, <laughs> why, God, are you allowing this to happen to me? Come on, somebody in here. And now when I understand that I'm saved and I've been set apart for a particular journey, it's no longer about the why, it's about the who. Who can I send, Jesus said. Who will go for me? Job was not a why, he was a who. Satan made a challenge and God picked the who. And you and I need to learn in life that being sanctified means God has set me apart because he trusts me to walk out a journey because you and I always see temporal when God always sees eternal. We always see the now when God sees the outcome of our journey and the production that our life is gonna bring and bringing more people into the kingdom of God. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You better know what you're praying when you pray the prayer. 
Because for that will to take place, he needs some people that's willing to walk out the journey. One of the great examples is the apostle Paul. He was shipwrecked, beaten, prisoned, naked, cold, hungry, viper bitten, but yet Paul said, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmities. He said, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that's now living inside of me. He then went on to say, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us in the future. He said, I no longer see in the present. I see like he sees because I've been set apart for a journey that no, it's not all comfortable. Look at all the disciples. Boy, do they not fit in the hyper-faith teaching today of name it, claim it. Every one of them suffered a horrible death other than John. And you look at the gospel, it was written written in a culture where violence and persecution came against those that were saved, but they understood that I've been set apart for a specific purpose, and God has handpicked me. He has predestined me for this journey, and whoever he calls, he qualifies, and he equips us. We'll get in a moment that we fulfill that journey, but if you understand today that the gospel was written and called me and saved me and now has sanctified me so now I can fulfill a task that's going to lead multiple people to Jesus. The greatest personal example I have of this is the guy sitting in the middle right there called Tommy Hen. When you look at Tommy's story, if you're a guest here, he's one of our children. He was in a horrible accident, motorcycle accident on Thanksgiving Day 2010. He laid on Airport Boulevard dead. I saw pictures of my son laying face down in pools of his own blood when he had no heartbeat at all. He was revived three times. They told us for 24 days that we had to turn him off, that he was legally dead. But God showed up on that 24th day and touched Tommy's body. They then told us that he would be a vegetable if he did live for the rest of his life. Today, I don't see a vegetable. I see a fruit. Yeah. And here's my story in that is this. We had so many people say, the devil did that. The devil did that. Look at your pastor. The devil had nothing to do with it at all. Because the God that I believe in isn't so weak that he has to go behind Satan with a dustpan and broom and clean up the messes that he could not have prevented. If that's your God, I don't want him. But my God is a God who's got us and he sanctified Tommy after he saved him and he set him apart for a journey that we would not understand while we're in the midst of it. But today by his grace, as I read the scripture, I get to see the fruit of the journey now. Tommy was just awarded employee of the year of his entire company. Thousands, listen, thousands of employees and here's what one of the leaders of the company told me at the ward afterwards. He said, up until now, every person to receive that ward was in a high position within the company. And he said, I don't mean this disrespectful, but your son is a dishwasher. A dishwasher just got nominated employee of the year. And he said, it's not because of his position, it's because of the life that he has lived here on this job. He impacts every person he touches. And people came to us and said, we were away from God until we met your son. One of the leaders in the company said, your son has introduced me to the real life in Jesus. Now here's what I'm saying. You can say the devil did it. But the gospel tells me that God set him aside for a specific task, a specific journey, 
Friday, he's spoken over to over 500 leaders in Baptist Hospital in the medical field. In June, they're flying Tommy and I to Washington, D.C., where he's going to speak to the Congress and the Senate and tell his testimony. What is God doing? God has a plan. Amen. He has a plan. And though you may not see it and understand it, don't let this modern day teaching saying, if I'm going through a time of suffering, there must be sin in my life. Check it and see. And if it's not, then you need to stop and say, thank you, God, that you picked me as the who. It's not about a why. Amen. And then, so what happens is we see now that the gospel has saved us and then the gospel has sanctified us and then it has set us apart for a particular purpose. And the, the problem is, uh, it, well, let's go ahead and get into point three because what happens is the gospel then sustains us. It takes us to a place where it is going to sustain us in all things. And this is particularly important um, because in the message that inspired uh, kind of what the gospel message that we're talking about today. The, we saw a clip by John Piper and I saw it. And, and the first thing I did actually was send it to my wife um, as an encouragement to her. Uh, and, the, and then I showed pastor and he said, we, we've got to tackle this. Like we've got to talk about this because it's so true. And, and the, what Piper was talking about is he was talking about the prosperity gospel, this, this health, wealth and prosperity gospel. And uh, so he was talking about how did he feel about it? And the truth is, it just, I feel the same way he does, and that's that I hate it. Like, I, I hate this concept that come to Jesus and everything gets better. Because it doesn't necessarily. And if anything, if the Gospels have taught us anything, it's that when we come to Jesus, things get harder. Like, things come, why? Because he's gonna make a testimony out of us. We would not talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if they didn't get thrown into the fire. We wouldn't talk about Job if he didn't lose everything. We wouldn't talk about Paul if he didn't get shipwrecked. We wouldn't talk about the struggles of Peter if he didn't have all his issues. We wouldn't talk about the people. We wouldn't preach about who they wrote about, and they wouldn't have wrote about them if they didn't go through the struggles struggle, but we want the blessing. We want the testimony without the test. And there are preachers out there that are declaring, get saved and God's going to give you a BMW. He's going to give you great things. He's going to, he's going to bless you. You're going to walk in favor and God just wants to give you everything. And, and you're awesome. And the truth is you're not. The truth is he's awesome. The truth is he's great. And so we've taken this message and we twisted it into this thing where love God and he's gonna give you everything that you want. And the only basis for that is this scripture that God's gonna give you the desires of your heart, but we've ne neglected this mentality that when we get saved, we take on God's desires for us. So the desires of our hearts are in turn what God's desires are for us. So what are we wanting? We want God to want, or we want to want what God wants for us. And that's to be sanctified. That's to be set apart for a purpose. And so what happens is they start teaching this health, wealth, prosperity gospel nonsense. It's not the gospel. No one has ever said, ooh, you drive a BMW or a Mercedes or, or God gave you, Jesus gave you that? I'll take Jesus. That's not the gospel. It's idolatry. It's elevating the, the gifts above the giver. 
Just like Piper said, you wanna know what the gospel looks like when it sustains us? It's when you're driving your car and you hit a tree and your little girl goes flying through the windshield and is on the road dead, or you're laying in your bed and you roll over just like I did and you see your son and he's blue in the face because he's not breathing and you're scared and in all things you go and in the deepest pain possible, you look into the heavens and you say, you're good, you are enough. You are enough. You will sustain me. You are our hope. You are our strength. And so the truth is, when we do that, we start to declare the scripture deep in our heart that says, who am I in heaven? Uh, Whom have I in heaven but you? And on this earth, there is nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart, my little boy, my little girl may fail, but you are the strength and the portion of my life. You are enough. You are good enough. You are great enough. I don't understand this, but you're good enough. I don't get this, but you're good enough. And I may not ever understand what God does, but in the end, because we only see chapter one when he's already finished chapter 12, we don't get everything, but in the end, God will be glorified. Why? Because God is most glorified when he does it in the midst of our pain. And so why is that gospel so dangerous? Why are these preachers on TV that are telling you just mail in your $200 check and I'm gonna pray that God will give you everything you want. It's dangerous, it's garbage, and it's not the gospel. Because the gospel was only built to save, sanctify, sustain, and strengthen, which we'll get into in a minute. The, The gospel was built to make you whole, but it wasn't built to make you rich. And so what happens, Romans 5, three through five says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That God is enough. God was enough for Tommy. God is enough for me and my wife. He sustains us through the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is it. I don't have everything I want. Until the day my son is walking and talking, I still haven't gotten everything I want. But the truth is, God has already given me everything I need. And you gotta grab a hold of that, that Jesus has already provided everything that you need and he did it 2,000 years ago on a cross. So have we gotten everything we want? No, but I've gotten everything that I need because he's good, he's great, he's sovereign, he's all powerful, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he knows where I'm at, he knows what I'm thinking, he knows what I'm going through, and more importantly, he's powerful enough, just like Pastor said, to not to feel like he has to clean up behind something he couldn't prevent, he's actually powerful enough to take the things in our lives that we hate the most and actually make them something that he would be glorified in above all things. That, my friend, is the gospel. Good. And, and when you look at it, and we're not here to bash anybody. I mean, anybody that's teaching the hyperfaith movement, they get sick too. And they have surgeries and they go to hospitals. They tell you they're on a sabbatical and they're in a hospital. I know because I know friends on their staff. And what we've got to come and understand today is 
the disciples went to Jesus one day and said, Father, is this blind man blind because of his sin or the sin of his parents? And Jesus said, neither one. He said, I created him like that intentionally because through his blindness, the kingdom of God is going to be glorified. Right. Now, that just messes up that teaching. I mean, we, let's don't deal with that one. No, you've got to deal with it because it's in the scripture. Now, we're not promoting sickness up here. We believe in healing. Tommy's an example of that. I had curvature of spine. And when I was 15 years old, God healed me in a doctor's office. I know God's a healer. But the atonement... And here's what we got to understand. What happens is there's a co-mingling in the Western understanding of, of the atonement. The atonement brings freedom and a provision for my sin. My sin. How many is thankful that when you get saved, you're completely saved? Amen. It brings provision for healing, but it doesn't mean that every time you bring something to Jesus that you're going to get healed. When sin took place, there was an impact made. And three areas got cursed by Jesus. Now, God can heal today. And the Bible said that everyone he touched, he healed. But how many of you here has prayed a prayer for somebody and it didn't happen? And by the way, Wednesday night, for our first Wednesday night, you don't want to miss being here because I'm going to talk about what do you do when your prayers go unanswered. You might want to be here for that. But we got to come and realize today that healing is provided for today but you and I don't dictate. I pray for Jabin every day. The same faith that I prayed for Tommy, I pray for Jabin, who's our little grandson if you're here visiting and he's been diagnosed terminal. And, and I held him last night for two hours and, and not knowing that at 1.30, Ashley was gonna have to rush him to the emergency room again. But I, I watch him on Saturday nights so they can go out to a small group and, and my, my, it's mine and Jabin's personal time and I've got hold, he's getting heavy now. And uh, so I'm holding him for two hours. We were in the recliner, and he's laid back in my arms, and, and uh, he, you know, and he's just there. And I'm telling Jabin all the great things that God's using him for. And I was telling him, Jabin, man, we have a haven because of you, son. You, you don't know the lives that you're impacting right now. And there's churches that are starting ministries for special children with special needs because of you, Jabin. And, and you don't realize what you're doing. Your Uncle Tommy's about to go to Washington, D.C. and talk on your behalf and what's going on in the lives of you. You don't know. And, and every time I would talk about something, little Jabin's arms would flex up like this and a big old smile would come on his face. And, and you can tell me that's coincidental because the doctors say that, well, that's one of his seizures. But why is it only happening when I'm talking to him like that? They told me that about Tommy too. When we would go into worship, Tommy tears would come out of his eye on his left side of his face. His right side was crushed. And they said, oh, that's coincidental. Well, it only happens when we're in here worshiping and praying, it ain't coincidental to me, so no, I'm not turning him off. And, and it's the same way with Jabin last night, and, and I began to declare healing over Jabin. I said, Jabin, we're believing right now that the healing presence of Jesus is gonna come over you, and Jesus is gonna heal you, and you're gonna be the one talking that story and telling that story. I'm not giving up on Jabin, but I know this, that God has set him apart and sanctified him when he put him in this world, and God has a plan for Jabin, and if Jabin's plan and God's plan is for God to heal him, and we're gonna stand up here and put him on every screen I can and say to God be the glory. And if God's plan is for him to be here to do amazing things that he don't even know and take him to heaven, the two of us are gonna be right back up here in these chairs declaring that you are nothing but good 
and you are awesome and you are wonderful and Jabin's plan was fulfilled in his life and know that you had it all in the palm of your hand the whole time because he sustains us. I don't need to bring a guest preacher in here to cover for us on a Sunday after we face a, a situation, whichever way it goes, because he's good and he's faithful Always. all the time. Always. Because he sustains us through, number four, his strength. He strengthens us. Come on, how many is with us today? Because you see, if you don't understand this teaching today, you'll fall trapped to that and you'll be going over there, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? They're preaching to me that none of this should be happening in my life. Well, it's happening in theirs too. They just don't want you to know about it. Or you quit sending the check. If you're on this earth, things are happening in your world. Now, we're not up here preaching gloom and doom. We're here trying to tell you that God said his grace is sufficient for us. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And that if I sit up here today, how many would rather us tell you, you got to deal with some stuff in life and help you get prepared for it than to come up here and go, find Jesus and everything's a love boat cruise. And then you're out there going, I feel like I'm on a battleship because you are. And if you're going to battle, it's good to be prepared for it yes. before you get there. Amen? Amen? Last of all, God strengthens us. We see the scripture. For while we were still weak, come on, anybody been there? Mm. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How many is thankful for that Jesus showed up right at the right time? Amen. Right, right when we were at our weakest moment. And guess what? He still does. He still shows up at that darkest moment, at that weakest moment, the gospel still comes and he shows up and he gives us supernatural strength. We would both be lying to you today if we sat here and told you that there's not days that we're not at the rock bottom of our faith and that our faith isn't weak, but right at the right time, right at the right moment, He'll send you a word through somebody. He'll drop a scripture into your heart. He'll send a word through a song. But right at the right time, he shows up. And all of a sudden, a supernatural strength comes back again. And I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. That God has great things for me. I'm on a journey. I've been handpicked for this. I loved it when Tommy said it the other day. He said, I was born for this was born for this because many didn't know two weeks before Tommy's accident he texted me a long text he was a six-figure earner when he was 22 and 23 years old he was making over a hundred thousand a year because he was a workaholic but he sent me a text and said Pastor Dan I feel like God's calling me into the ministry will you mentor me personally we had no idea that weeks later I'd be standing by his bed 
taking him to the bathroom, showering him for a year and a half, be standing by his bed, declaring the word of God into his life, mentoring, mentoring, mentoring. And then we had no idea seven years later, God was going to put him on a platform to share the good news of the gospel around the world to big deal people that God was going to give this kid that was raised in a horrible situation, went through a horrible situation of losing his family to murder and then a horrible accident and then watching his dad die to cancer. But even right before his dad died, his dad prayed the sinner's prayer in the car with his daughter, Cindy. And I'm saying to you today that no matter where you are in life, God brings us on a journey. He set us apart for a journey that he's already outlined. Before I saw one day of my life, the Bible said you saw every one of them. Before I saw one, you knew every journey, every road, every trail that I was going to go down. You've set me apart with purpose and with a journey, and now you're sustaining me in it. Don't let this be negative. This is extremely positive. God's got your back. He's got your front. He's got your left. He's got your right. He'll supply every need that you have in your life, and he's going to strengthen us along this journey that in the end, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think I think the beauty, man, and, and how many of you guys have ever heard the, the, the poem um, Footprints, yeah. right? That, you know, there's two sets of footprints and there's one and he thought the Lord had, he said, Jesus, how come you left me by yourself? And he said, that's what I carried you. And I, I think that's a great poem, but I think that it's just not true. The reason that I don't particularly care for it is because it gives us the illusion that we can never actually walk. Like there's ever a time that we don't need him to completely carry us. You know what I'm mean? like? I, every, I, I talk to Jesus every day, Lord, I desperately need you. God, I desperately need you. And even when things are going better, I still desperately need you. Like you are the strength of my life. You are the pillar of hope for me. You are the great provider. Yeah, and continuing to just confess our faith to Jesus. What I need you to strengthen me. So not just sustain me, because I believe that God did not just save us and then set us apart and sanctify us for a purpose. And then he doesn't just sustain us so that we can make it through, but then he strengthens us so that he can be identified in us so that when we come out victorious because of Christ, we get to point to Christ and proclaim his goodness to everyone that's around. So he strengthens us to make us whole. In your notes, there's four goals. These are the things that I want you guys to focus on when when we're talking about applying this message to our lives. First thing I want you to do is open your heart and mind to the whole gospel. Yes. And it's not just here to say, it's not just here to save us. It is absolutely here to save us, but it's not just here to save us. It's more, it's here to do more than that. Secondly, reject self-glorifying ideologies from false gospels. This isn't about you. I love each one of you. All right. But this isn't about you. How much easier would it be for God if as soon as we got saved, he just took us out of here, right? I don't know about you, but I feel like I could probably bother him sometimes with some of my prayers. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it's me again. I don't know if you missed the memo from yesterday, but I'm still here and it's the same prayer. But that means he he left us. That means we got work to do. So we reject self-glorifying images from 
from false gospels. Number three, look to the gospel to help you persevere. Man, to push to the end, like Paul said, you got a race to run. Finish the race. Finish it strong because the gospel strengthens us. Ashley had to take Jabin to the emergency room at like one o'clock this morning. Everything's fine. It was a medication issue, so everything is fine. But I can tell you at three o'clock in the morning, I walked out on my back porch and I just, me and Jesus had a little meeting. I hope my neighbors weren't on their back porch because they were wondering what was going down the Livingston house. Because I was just telling God, I don't get this. Like, because oftentimes we just preach messages, but more often than not, we're preaching you what we're trying to live. So this isn't some cute message like, hey, do this, but we don't really have a grasp on this. No, 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 I had to put this to practice nine hours ago when I sat on my back porch and I said, I don't get this. I don't understand this, but you're good. You're enough. You have saved us. You have set us apart. I had no idea when we dedicated our son four years ago, we sat at the altar, pastor prayed over him. We said, Lord, use him for your glory. We give him back to you. I'll honestly tell you that I was not prepared for what that entailed, but he has sustained and continues to sustain us and strengthen us. So we look to the gospel to help you persevere when life gets rough, because it will, but it doesn't change God's goodness to you. And then lastly, you look for God to be glorified in all things. The hard parts, he still gets the glory. The good parts, he still gets the glory. When things are going your way, don't think you're awesome. No, 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 put the glory back where it belongs. When things aren't going your way, you still declare his goodness and his mercy and his grace. God, you haven't given me what I want, but you've given me far more than I can ever deserve. I haven't got to where I want to be, but I've gotten far farther than I should have been because my sin should have brought me to the lowest of low, but your grace brought me to the highest of a high. You have restored me. You have brought me back into a place with you where I could never earn on my own. So you saw me at my worst, yet you chose me to make me my best. You're good. And you will be glorified even in this because you're awesome. I just want to pray over you in this house today. Father, I just declare joy in this house, God. Even a message, Lord, where we have to tackle God, it can start to feel rough a little bit. It can start to feel like we're declaring that bad things are happening. No, 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 no. We're declaring that things are going to happen, but you're still good. And so God, I just pray that joy be released in this house, Father, that God, all things would come and center around the gospel, renewing our life, God, that it has saved us, God, and then it has set us apart for a particular purpose. But when that particular purpose leads us down journeys that we don't understand, you're gonna sustain us. And then as you sustain us, you're going to strengthen us. And that in your strengthening, God, we're gonna fulfill the purpose, God, and that we're gonna count it a great joy that you have selected us out of the entire world. You chose us to go through what we're going through so that the world can see that even through pain, you're faithful. 
And so God, I just declare joy in this house, God, that the things that surround us are not permanent, that we would persevere through the end, God. We would finish our race that you've set for us to run so that we can declare the goodness and greatness of Jesus Christ in our life, that the gospel makes us whole. Because Jesus makes us whole. So God, I pray that the joy of the Holy Spirit would reign in this place. We thank you, God, and we look to you. Thank you, Jesus. This morning I woke up about 1.30. I had no idea that my grandson was being taken to the hospital. And three times I woke up during the night, just go back into the kitchen, sit at the dining room table, and I knew God was speaking something into my heart. And at 1.30 I went in, Psalms 121, I just opened straight to it, began to read. I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Come on, how many receive the promise of God in your life today? In Jesus' name, amen. Bow your heads with me. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm at step one. I'm at promise number one. I need Jesus in my life today. I'm not a bad person, but spiritually I'm not in a good place. And I need to be saved. I need salvation in my life. I just want you to pray a prayer for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer. And you join the eight that we know that prayed this morning. You say, I need Jesus in my life right now. I need to make a choice. I need a new start spiritually in my life. If that's you, would you raise a hand and you can put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. While hands going up all over the building again. God bless you. Five, six hands raised right now. Anyone else? You say, I need a decision today. I need to make a choice. I need Jesus in my life today. God bless you. God bless you. Seven, eight, nine hands again. Maybe you're on the web right now. Maybe you're online and you're listening today and you need to make that choice. Jesus loves you today. And if you're here or you're online and you need Christ today in your life. I want you to pray this prayer with me, and we're going to pray it with you so you don't feel alone. Say, Dear Jesus, you said in your word, if I would come to you, I could confess, I could believe, and then I can receive. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, and I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name. According to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, we give Jesus praise today. And